Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in for our horror-filled episode coming up right for you after this break. If you are looking for more horror podcast goodness, check out our friends at Forgotten Cinema who are making their return with an October of Forgotten Horror. I know they've already released Essex Stens and uh, American Werewolf in London, I believe. So if you love those horror classics, want to dip into something not current, like we will be doing right after the music here, be sure to check out Forgotten Cinema and their Forgotten Horror Month. All right, guys, here comes the show. Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, is the leading sales rep for Ligadone in the Southeast, <laughs> Mr. Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing well, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Personally responsible for the opioid crisis. Congratulations, Absolutely. buddy. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> Is that is that what you're looking for with your uh, your next mate? Uh, you I know, am. you know, you're just looking for someone who's just blissed out, you know, <laughs> yeah. completely pain free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're all looking for, right? Um, all right, so completely uh, obvious. Now we are going to dive into the Fall of the House of Usher, which is the latest mini series from director Mike Flanagan who we've loved over the years, whether it's in movie form or in the uh, the Netflix miniseries, which he's now made into an art and will now do it for somebody else. So, uh, Son of a bitch. I know. Everybody's mad. I'm mad. Uh, you know, especially after something like this, but we'll get to it. Um, and then we'll also kind of talk a little more spooky stuff with uh, when evil lurks that we both caught uh, over the past week. We'll do a little uh, a mini review on that at the end. But... Let's get to your boy, man. Flanny is back uh, with his whole troop, his whole crew. You know, you got Bruce Greenwood and Carlo Gugino, uh, Guggenheim, Googity, Great Googly Moogly. Uh, <laughs> great Googly Moogly, buddy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, as well as, like, I'm sure you noticed everybody, like Henry Thomas, of course, and um, it also was very apparent to me that uh, Mike Flanagan or his casting director uh, watched Reacher. And loved it as much as we did. Did you catch that? I did not. So Willa Fitzgerald, who plays young Madeline, remember she was the blonde who was <gasps> kind of like toe to toe with, uh, like on the same side as Reacher. That's then, where she's from. Okay. And then their cohort, the black guy who was the, uh, what, like a trooper or an officer, like officer. a young officer in that show. That's uh, Malcolm Goodwin, who played young August Dupin. Oh, okay. Good on you, buddy. Yeah. I, I was trying to place him, but I don't want to look him up. You know, I don't like using IMDb if I don't have to. Sure. Yeah, which is all I do. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> you know, that's that's where we differ. But yeah, I, I get it, man. But I was just like, because I, her, I recognize because I've liked her for a while. She, she was in Royal Pains, the USA show from a while back. And then she's been in a bunch of different TV projects uh, that I've enjoyed. And then, of course, we talked about her a lot with Reacher. And then Malcolm Goodwin, now he's on my radar, man. That guy. He's good. I loved it. I mean, we'll get to it, but the flashback stuff in here I thought was almost as good or the best of the stuff of a lot of the things that happened in this show. So um, the younger versions of who played their the main characters did an excellent job. 
um, as well as obviously all the scenes that were there. Um, but of course, this is co-written and directed by Mike Flanagan with additional direction by Michael Feminari, who I interviewed on the Nomcast, uh, my the old podcast, uh, my Netflix original movie podcast, because he directed to all the boys I've loved before two and three after being basically Flanny's guy uh, forever. Like he was the cinematographer uh, going back like Dr. Sleep and maybe even before. So he did all these like famous miniseries and, and everything. So he, he got all his boys. He just has a, a stacked roster and you know more than me because you've watched all these other miniseries we talked about midnight club what was that last year yeah um yeah. and then last we talked about yeah. It, yeah we talked about it on this show um as well as all his other ones in the past and you can kind of see again with the with some of the people in here i didn't recognize them from flanny projects but you would have even they went down to um the the girl who played lenore is from yes. dr sleep um, but you know, as far as his miniseries, I'm mad at myself now because I've been always putting them off and you guys loved them, you know, Chris, when he was on here and you as well, and I've not watched any until now. So, um, this is a great way to get into it because I really like this series. So I'm now, I, from what I understand from the word on the streets and we'll, I'll obviously ask you point blank. This sounds like it's one of his better ones in terms of the miniseries, uh, outside of maybe a couple of them. And he's done, what, like five total now? Five, yep. Yeah. So I feel like this is right smack dab in the middle as far as people on the street, but I'm curious to see what your rank is. But let's get to what you thought of this one in general, okay? So this, of course, I grew up uh, reading and uh, seeing like the uh, theater versions, performances, plays of a lot of Poe's work over the years, uh, especially a lot when I was younger. So it was kind of cool to see the structure of this show, because obviously it could have been just House of Usher, but obviously they integrate all of Poe's work, um, especially if you look at the episode titles. Um, they're all based on other stuff that Poe has done, you know, Black Cat, Raven, uh, Telltale Heart, et cetera, et cetera. So this was a well-constructed show, eight-episode miniseries. Uh, this is about, obviously, the, the House of Usher, the Usher family. To secure their fortune and their future, two ruthless siblings build a family dynasty that begins to crumble when their heirs mysteriously die one by one. And, of course, for an eight-episode structure, God, I love the fact that it was, like, episode by episode that they would highlight specific children that had to die and all these things. It was so cool. Some of the deaths were very good, especially for TV, uh, you know, streaming TV quality and everything else. I was I really like this show. There, there are detractors, and we can get into them, but I think overall this was uh, definitely a win for Flanagan, and it makes me even more upset that he's going to go to Amazon and probably kill it again. Uh, so where did you sit with this one, Shane? Yeah, I uh, once I got past the first episode, which admittedly was uh, – it, it felt like it took me two hours to get through that episode because it was so slow-paced. It's dense, yeah. Yeah, it's very dense, first episode. But once I got past that and we got, like you said, like one child per episode on what happened to them. Yeah. I, I loved it. I love yeah. it. I really wish, though, and it's probably one of my only small gripes, is that I, 
I wanted more background on each family member, I guess. We didn't really get mm. any depth on their characters. It was yeah. all like kind of superficial what we saw. Right. And I just wish we got more backstory with some of them. Like uh, his wife, Katie uh, Seagal. Like, yeah, I, I thought she was an interesting character. And yeah, I thought she was one of the more interesting ones. And for where she she kind of goes in this, I was a little disappointed that we don't yeah. get her for longer stretches of time. But yeah. yeah, and that's my only one of my only gripes. But like you said, Bruce Greenwood, I thought killed it. I thought Mark Hamill was my favorite character in this show. I thought he did just a great job as their lawyer. I agree. Um uh, of course, Carla Gugugliano. Oh, God, she's so. Uh, but yeah. yeah. And like, I agree with you. Like, I love the flashback scenes. I, I, I thought those were my favorite parts of the show. Like yeah. when they showed a young. Oh, oh my God. What's his name? Ro- uh, Roderick. Yeah. Yeah. Roderick. A young Roderick. Yeah. I love that actor. And, and he's been in all of Flanagan stuff. But I, yeah. I loved him as far as the background stuff goes. So and my favorite episodes is the like you mentioned honestly i wrote them down the black cat and the raven were my favorite episodes i thought sure. like the last two episodes were the strongest of the series once we got to finally what happened to his kids and like mm. you kind of had a sense like he made a deal with so and so and yeah but they showed it but i love the black cat episode and i loved the raven i love yeah. how he wrapped it up it was complete i, I thought like you said uh Augustine, I, I like the older version and the younger version. I thought was fantastic. Right. Um, and like you said, I love the specific deaths in every episode. I just wish we would have fleshed out some of the family members. I thought Henry Thomas, um, I thought he was a little miscast in this one as the cocaine snorting son. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't really believe his character per se. Sure. Outside of that, though, I was fine with the show. It's it's Flanagan hitting a home run again. Yeah, I- it's interesting. I agree with you. I'm sure there's probably a version where this series is 10 episodes instead of eight, and we get to flesh out certain things or deflesh as uh, certain episodes go. Um, right. I disagree slightly. I think they landed the plane, but what I like about this series was not as much the end because I thought the end was... I felt like we were heading towards an obvious conclusion, Maybe obviously outside of what exactly was going to happen, but you know kind of the nuts and bolts of it probably the whole way. And I think the the beauty of this show is that the death construction as well as the flashbacks to kind of know exactly how they were, what they were like and what they were getting into to get to there, I thought was more fascinating than how it wraps up because how it wraps up is just kind of like concluding what we kind of were seeing all along. Right. So that's the only thing for me where I, I didn't think it ended with like a dud or anything, but I think as far as like the structure of it, I enjoyed kind of more the middle uh, okay. than I did maybe the bookends. Um, but at the same time, like you're, you're right. I, I think this might be the first time in a long time, if ever that I've seen uh, Mark Hamill, uh, where he gets usually a little theatrical. He gets a little, uh, he's usually over the top, plays it a little higher than most. Right. Um, and this one, it's actually not warranted, but it adds flavor that I enjoy. Right. You know, so that character is very interesting. I like that they gave him even just a minor backstory and didn't just make him the Pim Reaper, as it were. 
I, I loved one of my favorite scenes is when Carla finally sat down with him at the end and had that conversation with yes, him. Absolutely. One of my favorite scenes of the entire fucking series. Like you said, it gave him that little background with his expedition. He went on. They, they actually, I thought they tied that, that up perfectly because they mentioned it early in the series and left it alone for several episodes. Yeah. And I, that whole scene with him and her, Oh, I thought it was the best of the series, man. I, I loved that conversation they had with each other. Yeah. There, there are certain ones that just shocked me how good it was or that things came about. Because, like, the, the conversation Roderick has with his ex-wife uh, in, the, in the church. Yeah. Like, towards the end, I thought that was powerful. That was great. The only thing that I, I, I'm curious to know um, your, your opinion on, and it, maybe, obviously, it didn't affect you if you think that the ending episodes are flying high in your book. What did you think of kind of like these long monologues about like kind of the state of the world and the economy like and everything like literally from, you know, they, they do a, a jab at Donald Trump. They do, yeah. uh, you know, the Koch brothers. They have all these kind of things that are more modern plays on things. And then they also explore, you know, almost like humanity and how we, you know, always pick, you know, money over curing anything and all these other things that they kind of went off on some of those work for me and sometimes i thought like all right tiktok people need to die but like you know <laughs> um so some of them i thought were apropos uh and some of them i just thought they were just making a statement um, yeah so it, it kind of had various forms of success i thought I agree. I thought some of it was a little too on the nose, like when Carla's character pretty much said the Donald Trump statement about shooting someone on Fifth Avenue and you'll get away with it. You know That's what I mean? exactly the line. Yeah. 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 I thought that was a little too on the nose, but yeah. the others I didn't mind. Like you said, some worked, some didn't work. I was okay with them for the most yeah. part, but I kind of cringed a little bit when she said that line in the in the show for some reason. I'm like, eh, okay. All well, right. because we're following such a unique world building that they're doing, it like feels updated and real but it also i guess obviously it could live in the world but you kind of want to not be in the real world right. with this um especially because they're telling such you know i think they did a really good job of blending like the poisms you know whether it be actual dialogue from it that they recite or whether it's you know uh, the imagery with the raven or whether it's you know uh the kind of gothic look of you know, especially the the young young flashbacks. You know, not the mid tier ones where the mother's gone and all that. But, oh. um, but the but the original, uh, the original uh, like kind of runner of Fortune Out who worked, uh, you know, the mother worked for him, like that house, and then their house, and then kind of like the the old neighborhood and stuff like that. I thought had a lot of gothic flavor, especially as it crumbles and how they're in there. I really liked a lot of that stuff. It's very Poe. Um, and then of course, like when the Raven comes in, in uh, the actual Usher home, uh, of Bruce, you know, Bruce Greenwood, Roderick's home. Um, that was very much on the nose as well. It almost, <laughs> I, I, I always um, remember the Simpsons Treehouse of horror yeah. when they did uh, the Poe stuff and the Raven where Bart's the Raven and everything else. Like it, it has that like, you know, like I'm in Mr. Burns' house. It has right. that, you know, kind of flavor. So, like I said, I really liked a lot of stuff here. And I'm interested now. So, 
first of all, you mentioned Mark Hamill. Is there anyone else you like really liked in this? I mean, like obviously, I think Greenwood and Guigino, you know, knock it out of the park. <sighs> Mary McDonald is quietly like the almost like co lead. You know, but like she she's, she's they take her away for long stretches, even though she's kind of positioned as the mo- uh, the series goes on as like as important or more important than Roderick. So right. it's interesting. Um, I really like Leo Usher, um, like the video game designer, uh, Raul Coley, which yeah. I believe he was in Bly Manor. Or haunting, uh, one of the hauntings. Would do you remember him from those? I believe that's right. Uh, he was in the Midnight Club for one episode. Uh, and okay. He was in Midnight. He was a sheriff in Midnight Mass. Okay. So I knew he was in past stuff. I thought he may have uh, had more. Uh, than and those. he was on the Haunting of Bly Manor. So okay. Yeah, he was so a, I did yeah. get that. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Um. So yeah, I thought he was really good. It's interesting, like those kids that he obviously had from other women than his original original wife. Those were, it's fun that they get to kind of like blend out the cast instead of being this fully white, you know, Anglo look, rich, <laughs> Wasp rich family. Kid, waspy yeah. kids, you know, yeah. So it's nice that they were able to build that out based on just him and his wandering proclivities. So it's, it's, it's nice. But yeah, I thought the young August DuPont, like I said, the Malcolm Goodwin stuff, all those really worked. Um, and yeah, I was very sad to see. Flanny's wife, you know, Katie Siegel, uh, end up, you know, on the chopping block too early because she was she popped out. She, she was, did. She really popped in this because I think, you know, based on her look, like it looked like a very well developed character design as opposed to maybe some of the others. You're um right. so yeah, she really worked and so it was it was tough to see uh even though her death was uh, quite spectacular, it was, uh, um, dude. It was, but it was it was far too early for me, and that's but why I like, said I think I like the meat in the sandwich a little right. bit more. Like uh, I echo your sentiments. Like Leo was my outside of the people we talked about. Leo was probably my favorite character in this yeah. series. Uh, I thought the weakest episode was the uh, Goldbug episode. I, uh, I, I, yeah, I think the same I did thing. Not, yeah, I did not care much for that episode at all. I thought that character was way underdeveloped. She really wasn't in it a lot. Uh, True. Tamarine. Was it Tamarine? Tamerlane. Yeah. yeah, Tamerlane. Yeah. Did not care much for that episode at all. Yeah. But Leo was, my, Leo was my favorite. And then I like the young kid, too. Um, the one with the nightclub. The orgy yeah. club. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But which, yeah, everyone, everyone which else. That like, was just gross very oh, early. Like the God. whole acid bath stuff is just whoa, yeah. ugh, tough. But tough yeah. to look at. But no, Leo and uh, Katie Seagal were my two outside of Bruce Greenwood and Carla Gugliano. And, you know, <laughs> the actress who played Madeline was fine, too. She was great. Yeah, Mary McDonald. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, again, the Black Cat, my, probably my favorite episode of the whole whole series. Yeah. It's always fun, you know, <clears throat> to see, like, people kind of losing their mind. And again, it, it's straight out of the Poe stuff. So I think the stuff that kind of lent itself to being a perfect blend of what Poe's poems or stories did and then also applying it to this series i think that was like the the secret sauce it was the perfect kind of blend and the construction of this series i mean to get eight episodes when a lot of the poe stuff that has been done over the years never really lands so to kind of like have this concoction that mixes it up and puts it to the to the modern era i think is just brilliant yeah 
Flanagan knocked it out of the park, man. Like, just let's call it what it is. He knocked this one out of the park. What do you think about the drug angle for it? Do you think that's... I, I think it's probably better because it could have been a political thing. It could have been any kind of other type of power. I think this actually fits, even though a lot of people are doing opioid crisis stuff these right. days. But I think it still fits this story pretty well. Yeah, it fits the story well. And honestly, as the series is going on, I kind of forgot... That storyline I just kind of forgot about. It, to me, it kind of faded into the background because I was paying attention True. to everything else in the series. Yeah. To me, it could have been anything they were peddling. Um, <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, but yeah, yeah it, it fits current times. I thought it was okay. Yeah, and and another standout for me too. I'm I'm unsure if he was, if maybe um, Feminari was shooting stuff when Flanagan was directing, or whether there were other people. I haven't looked that up. But uh, the cinematography in this show is really yeah. good, and a lot of the production design not you know, not everything works. I mean, it's kind of sometimes a little generic, but I think for the most part, very well done. And a lot of the you know not too many jump scares, but when they work, they work. You know, especially with Greenwood in his family home, that stuff was most of the jump scares. But yeah, the the blood effect, everything like was really well done. So not much to complain about with this no. show. Uh, like I said, maybe it gets too preachy, a little heady at times or whatever. And, you know, but for the most part, it everybody, it just kind of seamlessly works. I think, you know, because they're going to kind of knock people off one by one, I think that's why maybe we get only shades of the kids. So you're not going to go too deep. So I'm not going to complain too much with that. But I think it was a beautiful show that definitely yeah. worked out. So. Let's get to you, man, because you're a big Flanny guy. You've watched all these miniseries, and I feel like a, a goon for not doing it. I think it's because I just watched too many movies where just I, I never made the time. That's on me. You need to make the time, sir. I know, but hey, man, they're always going to be on Netflix, or so we always tell ourselves, and then they go away for some mysterious reason. Um, so where do you rank these? You have the five miniseries. Where would how would you power rank this? Where does this one in particular fall for you? This this is tough, and I'm not trying to be caught up in the moment, so I'm trying to take a step back, right? Uh, so if I had to rank them, because I wrote this down, the the haunting of Bly Manor to me was a good show, but it's five. If I had to rank, it's five on my list, right? Okay. I really enjoyed the Midnight Club, but I can't get it higher than four. Okay. So where I had a tough time was between this show and Midnight Mass, right? Right. Um, I went back and forth with this all day, honestly. This, this, this is how I spend my days, folks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I we love you, baby. Yeah. But I would have to say this, honestly, is his second best show behind The Haunting of Hill House. Okay. This is his best effort. Like The Haunting of Hill House, the first series he did on Netflix – it's his gold standard. This is close to it, um, but I would have to knock this to number two. Midnight Mass, I think, is severely underrated because it's a very slow burn um, yeah. of a of a series. But I do like that original story he came up with because that he like that wasn't a king. It, it was just him. He wrote that. So right. Um, yeah, really very rare it. for him. Yeah, very rare. So I enjoyed that one. But uh, like like we discussed, the writing, the structure of this show it's number two on my list now because i know i because he had a big overall deal with netflix and had a lot of you know distribution that was directly to netflix even if it wasn't say a netflix original um is there anyone that you would recommend 
from from that catalog because basically you're kind of picking through what gerald's game oh. uh oculus hush Hand, yeah hands um, down is hush that yeah to me that launched them i remember watching that movie saying huh <laughs> this guy's got something not yeah. that i would know but like that movie kind of just took me by surprise right and i was like wow that's a good freaking so for me if you're looking for something outside of his miniseries Go watch Hush. And Oculus is great, too. But go watch Hush. Yeah. I would agree with you there. Uh, I mean, I like Gerald's game. Especially if you... The thing is, right, if you're watching this series and you want to recommend it based kind of like on the cast and how things go, it's hard not to recommend Gerald's game to people because you get Greenwood and Gugino going for long stretches by themselves. So, And that one has... A lot of the uh, like a similar imagery he likes to do with certain creepy characters and such. Like by far the creepiest thing. Well, I don't know about by far, but the thing that sticks out for me in this series. Do you have like an image or a character that like sticks out with you? Because to me, it's that Joker costume. Oh, the Jester. A Jester. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. God damn it! <laughs> Every time that comes up, I'm like, why is this so creepy? I'm like, and then obviously they show you like what it's from, and I wouldn't have guessed that. I no, thought this was either. some mystical demon or something. And it's like, nope, nope, um, blew me away. Great, yeah, great reference. Yeah. Every time it was there, I was like, good God, <laughs> this is so creepy. I would, fu- I would faint and have a nosebleed and fucking <laughs> lose my mind too if I was uh, Roger Kusher seeing that. My God, um, but yeah, very interesting, uh, solid show, man. Uh, and, and you know, what's great is that it finally started to get me in the mood, like the Halloween mood. Like, I think it took me a while. Usually like when October starts, you know, it's pretty obvious. Like I went to Connecticut horror fest. I do all this stuff and I still didn't feel it. I wasn't right. feeling it yet because I hadn't like watched something in the dark and gotten scary. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and cause we didn't do exorcist on this show because the, you know, reviews oh. were so bad and I only had a half an interest anyway. You know, you got things like Saw X, which got surprisingly better reviews, but like I haven't seen one since like the early Saw movies. I'm just not into the torture porn. Yeah. Ser- uh, you know, the, Eli Roth, the Eli Roth kind of horror movies. Yeah. The hostile uh, stuff. Yeah. Exactly. No. I'm not that into it. So to me, you know, now this is my kind of stuff. This is my jam. This is my speed. And then the other part of me is when we watch <laughs> When e- Evil Lurks. Um, which seems like I told you like a decade ago, based on how much stuff we had to watch and how much our lives uh, were consumed. Um, when Evil Lurks is an Argentinian horror movie that uh, is produced by Shudder, so it should be probably on digital quite soon, I would right. imagine. It's not exactly burning up the box office. I think it's less than a million at this point at this point in the their launch. Um, but boy, man, this movie slow burn right i told you like you were you were about to go see and i was like hang tight for that like that first 20 minutes probably 20 30 minutes that first act where it's just like what the hell am i watching and then as soon as uh this is not a spoiler but like once you see it you see it as soon as that dog happens oh god you fucking buckle up for probably that middle part which is very good and then the ending is like more creep and atmosphere and other stuff, but still 
They landed the plane, but it's fucking just a bizarre movie, especially considering that it's kind of like I I very rarely see horror movies that kind of like are in an environment that seems so normal and whatever, but then they're like, yeah, 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 but demons totally fucking exist and 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 will <laughs> and will come for us at some point. Go talk to this woman; she knows talk all about to, it. Talk to all the elders because they obviously know everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but as soon as you saw that, uh, what they call him? Like when when he's the the guy who's like overstuffed. Yeah, uh, and uh, they call him. Oh, I forgot what not the, the possessed, but they called him something like the possessed, the rotten, or something, or something yeah, like so, yeah, something like that. Because uh, yep. God, it was just disgusting uh, to look at. And then obviously we know what it was actually doing. You know, basically birthing evil. So for anyone who doesn't know, like I said, it's an Argentinian uh, horror movie. Uh, which the plot's described as in a remote village, two brothers find a demon infected man, which is what we were just kind of describing, just about to give birth to evil himself. They decide to get rid of the man, but merely succeed in spreading the chaos. So basically, um, if you have a person about to give birth to a demon, don't move them. That's that's that was the thing that got just me, man. I don't away. know. If, just walk away. There's so many rules. Did you find that funny? That there's like so many rules. <laughs> like, yeah, it, was it was like, like don't kill it, don't move it. Yeah, exactly. It was like I, I, I actually liked it. I think I said it to myself at some point. It was like Demon Club. The first rule of Demon Club is don't move the demon. You know, don't talk about the demon. Don't you know get the hell out of the house. Don't ever come back. There were so many rules. Um, You couldn't kill the demon. Otherwise you'd spread the demon. You can't touch the demon. You can shoot it, but you can stab it or whatever. uh, Run it over the truck or something, but you couldn't shoot it for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. So, so many rules. Yeah. Cause I thought like at points there was like, ah, that guy's going to turn into a demon now. And then nothing happened to that person. Uh, So, I don't know if I followed the logic of some of the rules or some of those things, but I'll tell you, it's quite entertaining. And at some points it's kind of like winky, like quietly, like darkly, darkly, darkly funny. Yeah. Um, even when it probably doesn't mean to. Uh, So for me, I think this was a three out of five movie, but I think it's one that I can recommend just for the ride. And uh, like, you can tell people you saw this movie kind of movie. I, I, I love this movie. I thought it was one of the best. Horror- <laughs> of I did. I thought did. it was one of the best horror movies of the year. Hold on. I hold really, on. I- <laughs> Didn't you message me? Like, I think I'm about to throw up watching this movie. <laughs> I was the only one in the theater. I was by myself and I visibly audibly gagged three wow. times. Okay. Do one- you remember when? I'm curious. Yes. Okay. When they showed, uh, when they're trying to move the bloaty corpse and he started pussing out, I, I started gagging. Gross. The one that got me, because it got me in Barbarian too, is mm-hmm. when he was reaching into his son's mouth and he started pulling out the clumps of hair. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's like basically a big yeah. hairball. I threw up. I literally like spit like I, I couldn't help myself. It was so yeah. bad. Yeah. But yeah, those are yeah. the two scenes specifically. But no, this movie was tension filled like you said it was at like the atmosphere of the movie i loved it didn't make a whole lot of sense as far as like you said the rules go but when that dog scene happened i was like oh, holy dude. shit yeah like they're, the they whole went chase there. and everything oh my god yeah and, and the woman with the axe to her head yep. and uh it, like you said darkly funny when they dragged the 
the old woman at the end of the movie and they the, the yeah. one kid was like slowly hitting her with the hammer in <laughs> yeah. the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even when the wife came back and like ran over the husband and the kid with the car. Uh, and then she's like eating the kid. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh. I was just like, and she's eating like, like they were like, I almost like instructed her like, eat the kid like you're watching popcorn watching the movie. You yeah. know, because she kind of had that like, <clears throat> you know, dead ahead stare just kind of casually you know, taking bites of out of the kid's head. Yeah, but like, dude, oh my it, God. for horror, what we got so far this year, it it kind of was unsettling. It it's like one of the said. higher ones. Yeah, it's, it's one of the higher the best. ones. Yeah, because like the, it's a sad state when I'm like, okay, is this better than like say what Megan is? Yes. Two? Yes. Would you say that's probably two? Yeah. Isn't that sad? Like yeah. especially because we're in the heat of. All these, you know, we were in horror season where movies like this should pop up. I'm sure there's other ones out there. I still want to watch um, the the Hulu Alien movie. Um, yeah, yeah, the Brian Duffield movie. No one will save you. That's the other one that I've been desperately wanting to watch, and it's been getting uh, really good reviews. It has like a 3.1 on Letterbox, which honestly, at this point, for for all these type of this, movies, honestly, this is better higher. than that one. Yeah, this is better than that. I thought. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, again, it might be a cheat code for me, like a 3.25, but it's in that zone because yeah, I think I, it's memorable. There's a lot of scenes where you're like, holy shit, and it's, you know, creepy in a lot of spots and gross and whatever. So it does the job. Yeah. Um, and as opposed to like, there's some, a lot of other movies where like, I didn't even try uh, because they just didn't get good, good enough re- reviews for me to even try it. Um, would you say, cause I heard some people saying, and I, and I know, I believe you watched it. They were saying this movie is comparable or it's this year's version of, what was it? That, uh, Swedish movie, that Nordic movie, whatever the creepy, the awful, oh. uh, one from last year that made people want to die inside. Uh, what was yeah. the name of that one? Oh God. Uh, yeah. I, I, okay. First of all, I like this movie better, but that movie that you mentioned, Made like you mentioned taking a shower after a movie, <laughs> right? That yeah, movie wanted me to, uh, yeah, Jim Carrey myself at the end of uh, Pet, <laughs> Pet Detective, there exactly, yes. yeah, Finkel is Einhorn, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, what the hell is the name of that movie? It had evil in the name, too, I think. Speak no evil, speak no evil, okay, yeah, yeah. so speak, speak no, no evil. evil, they're saying it's like the speak no evil of this year, it, it, uh. It, it Which again has, is Shudder, so those guys are fucked up. Yeah, it has similarities, <laughs> I will say that, but Speak No Evil, it's a slower burn, but you know something's going to happen, and when it happens, like, literally you want to take Brillo pads and just, like, just brush your skin off because it's right. so disturbing. But yeah. as far as, like, an actual horror flick, and it, it, this is more of a horror movie to me than that was, so they're comparable, though, I will say that. So what's... What is what? What did you say you gave this, or did you not? Um, I gave it a three point five. Okay, yeah, which is totally right in that realm. Um, yeah. and like you said, probably one of the better scores we've given uh, horror movies this things. year. Yeah, because I think I gave Megan three and a half, so it's right in that zone. Is there are there any other uh, horror movies that are on your list, or that you haven't, you know, that are have come out this year that? Well. Uh, I will be taking my daughter to go see Five Nights at Freddy's. That's right. Uh, so that's what uh, two weeks. In two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. In two weeks. Outside so- of that, you're right. There, there's not much out. I saw the Nun too. We we talked about that. Uh, we're low on the Exorcist, so 
And Five Nights at Freddy's is like PG-13, so I got a feeling it's going to kind of be like totally killer in that kind of realm of a movie, right. which yeah. is a light horror, right? you know? But this one was more horror horror, like we were discussing, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm feeling like a heel because I haven't watched Infinity Pool yet. I think I might I, watch that before the end of the year. It's on Hulu. If, it's on my list, and I, I want to check it out, but I haven't yet. The only other one that was good, probably close to as good as this one was, uh, is Cobweb that I saw. That's more of an uh, indie one as well that I liked. Because um, I went on like a horror binge, uh, I think probably like last month or something, in prep of c- trying to kind of catch up with some of these horror titles. Um I know I like that one better than Evil Dead Rise. Uh, I know, um, you know, Run Rabbit Run was not that good. Knock at the Cabin was fine. Renfield was fine. Um, Cocaine Bear, if you toss it in for that, was fine. Um, You know, Scream 6, I probably liked it more in the moment, but it doesn't linger with me very well. Um, Uh, Talk to me was good. Talk to me, sure. Yeah, that's right up there with the the other stuff. That's right in that zone of three, three and a half ish kind of horror movies. I uh, keep forgetting about that one. I think the most disappointing one was probably Last Voyage of the Demeter. Um, yeah, because that you was took just, the bullet on that one. Yeah, that was that was just disappointing. That was very bad um, and very boring. That was uh, the worst thing. Don't bore me. Like go yeah. for the gut, but like this one, it was just dumb. And the fact that they even were kind of trying to to rogue one the end to like kind of piece it to uh Bram Stoker's Dracula because it's the the prologue or like whatever it is for it dumb dumb don't do it but yeah I'm trying to think like there it's been it's been a lot of you know sequels that I didn't care about your insidious red door your uh saw X, like we said the exorcist one uh, I'm never probably going to see that dumb Winnie the Pooh blood and honey thing. Um, oh, dude, I started watching that the other night. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> I made it Couldn't 15 minutes. It? It's on Peacock, dude. Oh, I made yeah? It like, yeah, I made it 15 minutes in. And I'm like, nope. I didn't realize it was actually based on Christopher Robin and the 100 Acre Forest and Eeyore. I did not know that was actually part. I thought it was two psycho serial killers. Yeah, because it's such a bad people. costume. That's why I thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, don't skip. Okay. <laughs> skip it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally has a 1.2 on Letterboxd, so that wasn't yeah. going to happen for me anyway. Um, you caught Pope's Exorcist or no? Yeah, that was okay. Yeah, it's still probably like yeah. recommend but soft recommend yeah. kind of thing. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, you also watch Sick, which I think was like right at the beginning of the year, right? Like right before Megan. Yeah, and that so, was a, that was a decent one too. And again, yeah. Peacock. That was yeah. uh, Kevin Williamson's movie. Yeah, right? th- I actually like that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a terrible year, and I think I'm you know besides your Five Nights at Freddy's uh, excursion, I don't think I have a lot to catch up on. I think I have a good read on the year. But yeah, definitely Infinity Pool. I think I want to check that out before. Uh, and and I they also had um, news. I don't know if you saw uh, the last in the um, the Pearl Maxine the X the oh, you know, Ty West trilogy that they're close. I think they're probably going to do it early twenty twenty four. Looks like they just okay. missed because I was hoping that was going to come by this time of year. Uh, but I guess they didn't have enough time, which it's a lot to put on him to try to put out a trilogy in like, what, two years, a year and yeah. a half, whatever it was. But um, hey, man, 
I, I still dig it. I hope they that comes out uh, real soon. Um, anything else for us, man? I know uh, we got coming up next week. We're gonna do Killers of the Flower Moon, right? Yep. We're gonna check yep. that out this weekend. Um, should be out. I don't know if it's platforming or whether it's wide this weekend. I want to say I it's, think it's wide. limited. Is it? Yeah. Because it was limited this past weekend? Yeah. Or this upcoming weekend, I guess. Or no. Excuse me. Yeah. Last weekend. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, uh, the real horror I, I keep not mentioning is uh, watching Taylor Swift for three hours on oh. Sunday in IMAX, which, you know, it, it's on me. It's on me. I'm trying to it be a good girl dad. You know, I'm, I'm whatever. You know. You're a terrible uh, parent. No, man, it's so funny. <laughs> I'm no, well, I'm okay. Well, I'm trying to see the levels, right? Because I went with another family and their daughter, and I brought me and my two kids, and it was bookended with dudes. The other father was on one side listening to Slayer in his headphones while <laughs> he watching the that. movie, which is hilarious. Um, and I was like, "Is it?" I, I told him, "I'm like, hey, man, they just did a Bad Blood, Raining Blood remix, man. You just missed it." <laughs> um, and then on the other side, I got my son who is just like dying. Like every time there's like a pop pop tune, like a shake it off or whatever, he's he, he perks up. But outside yeah. of that, that dude is like, he's trying to do calisthenics on the bar in front of us and whatever. And <laughs> I had to give him, you know, my phone to play Angry Birds for the last half hour. It's a slog. It's like the apocalypse now of fucking oh. concert films. But, you know, she's great. She's a big star. She's it's great for all of them. It could have been much worse. There could have been more singing and mayhem with tweens in the middle of a Sunday afternoon, but I think we nailed it right. And we made it through. That's all that there matters. Um, so good job by you, man. Um, like I said, next week, we're going to cover killers of the flower moon, but why I brought that up was that that is going to be a three and a half hour excursion after I just did three hours of Taylor Swift. So I've been spending a lot of time in the movie theater, man. So, <laughs> you know, pray for mojo that's what i gotta say <laughs> but um thanks everybody for listening be sure to give us five star reviews wherever you listen be sure to like subscribe to the whole thing follow us on twitter and instagram at recent act pod and be sure to join us next week for more recent activity <laughs>